Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know why I love Kenny? He doesn't need a Twitter burner account. He says everything he needs to say oh, from yeah. his own account, the oh, traffic account. He doesn't care. I do have another Twitter account, but it's locked, and I only follow lunatics. Do you tweet from I've it? I've never tweeted. Really? I have no followers. So it's just like a gawker account. Yep, yep. No followers, and I won't accept any. <laughs> well, how many people, like, who do you follow on that account? Uh, about 60 people, and they're all funny, incredibly insane people. So ju- basically just Who's judge. crazy? <laughs> What, what qualifies as crazy, Kenny? You fellas have a show to do. Get to it, would you? I want to know what your burner account is. I'm going to uncover this account. That's way more interesting than Kenny has a burner account than Michelle right now. If uh-huh. we find out who it is and we, and we wind up sending a request to follow, will you accept no. us? Oh, hell no. Of course not. <laughs> Ever. Ding, ding. And now six. And Gibson, not normally too animated on the mound. Swing and a miss. Gibson starts the seventh with a strike. Another good slider right there by Gibson. Strikeout number eight. We'll see if they stay inside like the first at bat. Pounder towards the hole. It'll bleed through. Adrianza scores. Dozier being waved around. Gordon's throw to the plate right on the mark. It could not have been hand delivered any better than it was. Escobar deep to left field. Into the corner. Game over. All those fly balls to the warning track. And of all people, it's Alcides Escobar with his second home run of the season. And right before the rain falls, Alcides Escobar ends the game. Maybe the Twins' most impressive, futile effort. Uh, what's this guy's first name? This Barlow guy, Scott Barlow. Yeah, yeah. Four innings in relief from the tenth or the uh, the eleventh through the fourteenth for the Royals. Nolan Ryan, like hitless. Uh huh. Untouchable. <laughs> the Royals, like sixth guy in their bullpen on a tanking team, was untouchable late into the night. Eight walk off losses. In the first 50 games of a Major League Baseball season, ties a record held now by the 2018 Minnesota Twins, the 1968 Pittsburgh Pirates, and the 2010 Seattle Mariners. Did any of those other teams make the playoffs? I'm going to guess no. <laughs> they did not. Congratulations, <laughs> Twins. Pretty impressive. Eight, eight walk-off defeats, six of them via home runs by the opponent. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's tough to come back from. I think my my second favorite uh, futile thing from last night for the Twins, Byron Buxton, off the bench, still found a way to go 0 for 2 and uh, strike out and had a chance to put put a couple runs on the board for the Twins. He's now hitting 156 with a 183 on base percentage and slugging 200. So his OPS is under 400 
for the season. Congratulations, Byron Buxton. That's very You've good. You've reached a new low That's very in good. your career. But but not to be completely topped by the fact that our guy, Miggy, Miguel Sano, one for six last night. He did knock in the Twins' lone run, now down to a 198 average himself. Boy. So between the two of them, the Bus Twins are doing a great job right now. Can I bring some good news to this segment, though? Uh, Dave Go found this on, on Deadspin. Deadspin.com has a headline this morning, or it was actually late last night, but it was like after the game got over. Kyle Gibson's slider is the sneakiest pitch in baseball. And they have an ode to Kyle Gibson on Deadspin.com this morning. In the category of things you thought you'd never see a year ago, uh, ever in your life, uh, it reads Minnesota Twin starter, and it just has a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, gifts of his slider and guys swinging and missing. Twin starter Kyle Gibson didn't get the win in his seven innings of shutout work on Tuesday night against the Royals. The final score was two to one, but he did get another opportunity to show off his glorious slider, a strikeout pitch that's been better at getting swings and misses this season than even Shohei Otani's splitter. Gibson picked up eight strikeouts, almost exclusively using his new unhittable breaking pitch when he had Royals hitters at two strikes. Yep. After never rising above seven strikeouts per nine innings in the first five seasons for the Twins, he's now averaging over nine strikeouts per nine innings uh, with his revamped approach. So if there is cool. something positive to take out of this, yep. and you go back to last year, yep. their offense can't score runs. Buckton looks like a bust. Sano is doesn't a look disaster. Much better. Uh, Irvin Santana is yeah. throwing 88 miles an hour in Fort Myers. But yes. they may finally, almost a decade after drafting him, be getting what they thought they were going to get out of a first-round draft pick, Kyle Gibson. And if that's the case, that's that's great. But keep in mind, too, and I, I know that baseball is a long year, and I know that, that games, that, that you're going to win games, you're going to lose games, there's no predictability to them for the most part. But let's keep in mind, too, you're playing a game last night against a team that actively pretty much wants to lose and did everything they could to let you win. They, The Kansas City Royals, I'm convinced that they finally basically said, okay, we'll do it. We'll win this damn game. But I was listening to that game last night, and it's just, it's such a gong show right now. And this division is so bad. And when you play the Royals, the White Sox, and Tigers, you are playing teams. They're going to beat you sometimes, but you're playing teams that are going to give you games. And the Royals were trying their damnedest to give you that game last night. Gibson was good, but you had all types. You didn't need to score five runs. You didn't need to score four runs. You needed to win two to one. Yeah, they can't score a run. No, I mean, they just they flat out can't score a run. Uh, what what was the deal between Danny Duffy and Eddie Rosario last night? I must have missed the. I saw so, the second interaction where Rosario, like a bonehead, got caught up between first and second trying to get cute, and then Duffy just screamed at him. Yes, and was did. like thumping his chest. Yes. So it's it started off with Rosario, I believe, it was at third base, and and as as he does, and by the way, this is absolutely fine. He was dancing down the line, trying to get Duffy to balk or th- throw him off, which okay. I completely get. Duffy took exception to it. Duffy didn't oh, okay. like this. This is a but oh, this, this is, is this but in this the again rules but somewhere? this again gets back to to thou shall not disrupt starting pitcher who does not want to be disrupted. Like, th- this is just so like, so it, ridiculous. And Duffy's been really good the last couple of years, but. I feel like Duffy came into the game with a six ERA, probably not in a position to play general on the mound and uh, an unwritten rule police officer. And the, the better the pitcher, the more there incentive there is to do that, right? Like if you're facing a good pitcher and you're saying to yourself, okay, what type of competitive advantage can I get that's not completely bushly but might actually work? Rosario and R- Rosario does this to everybody. 
This is not a Danny Duffy thing. It was weird. Eddie Rosario yeah. does this to every. So for him to get bent out of shape goes back to what we've been discussing for two years now, which is the whole thing of you can't do. Well, why not? Come on, baseball. Yeah, um, it is weird. It, somebody made the. I can't remember. It might have been Dan Hayes who was going to join our show from the Athletic in uh, in like two and a half hours. That it felt like the way the Royals, the Royals were very easily offended and triggered two or three years ago. When it, well, four years ago, whenever they won the World Series, when they had that really good team for three years, and they would get in brawls every other night, and they would chirp. And and we had heard Perkins was on our show telling stories about how yeah they're just like that's right they did everyone hates them uh-huh. and they're just easily triggered <laughs> and uh, and and Danny Duffy came up with that team wasn't really a star pitcher for that team but it's like a this this it's this team with Mustakas and there's Duffy and a couple other guys left it's just a shell of what it was four years ago but that felt like a remnant from Royals teams from four or five years ago just getting. Needlessly offended just, at things and I'm picking so, fights. I'm so tired though of this sport and and taking offense to things because you don't you don't think that the guy on sure third should be dancing down the line. Just shut up and pitch. Yeah. If you're that good, be quiet and pitch. And if he's going to go down the line now, if he's if he's doing something that's completely bush league, I get that. But that's not. By the way, here's my question from last night's tilt. What's Gene Glenn thinking? Brian Dozier, when so so Sano hits the single to left, and it scores the run. And a, a still shot I saw is Brian Dozier is basically at third; his foot's on third base as Gordon's going to pick up the ball. And Gordon, Alex is one of the Gordon's best on defensive outfielders, gold glove yeah. stud in left field. Why? And and I get I so he's probably thinking, well, we're we're not scoring runs. Yeah, that's but, that's I'm fine with that. But still, I think at that point, I don't think you guy, can, I don't think you can complain about the worst offense in the American League, and then. And then nitpick a third base coach trying to squeeze an extra run out of an inning where... Now, if baseball were still a man's game, then Dozier could have gone and barreled into home plate, <laughs> and he could have taken the catcher out, and we wouldn't have had a problem, and he could have jarred the ball loose, and it would have been Fossey Rose all over again. And then and then the Twins could have taken the 2 to Well, you could argue that Torrey Hunter taking out, was it... Was it Piercinski? Who was the no? It was the, the White Sox catcher back like 15 years ago. I don't remember his name, but it wasn't. It kind of sparked a run for the Twins in August and September, mm-hmm. or at least that was the perception. Mm-hmm. He absolutely just hauled over. It was at uh, it was at uh, whatever whatever the ballpark is now. The G spot guaranteed, guaranteed rate field? field. Yeah, that's what they call it. They call it the G spot. <laughs> That's what they call it. They do. They okay. call it the G's. Yes, they absolutely okay, do. Okay, it's still Why funny. Why wouldn't you, Judd? Yeah. It's still funny, okay? 12-year-old Judd thinks it's funny. Ding, ding. So given uh, kind of the way of the world and where we are and how many of these stories we've heard about with people in burner accounts, maybe it isn't. It alleges no fewer than five burner accounts used to talk badly about Sixers players and former GM Sam Hinkie and release medical information about the players. Colangelo's admitted to using one of them. There's a lot to sift through. The irony of this is if it's true that, uh, about this story, Colangelo landed the job because of concerns over how Hinkie was doing his job, and now there's this? Joel Embiid started tweeting about it, and that's when things really took off. Our Adrian Wojnarowski then tweeted the following he got from Embiid, and I'm quoting the Sixers center here. I talked to him, meaning Colangelo, and he didn't say that. He called me just to deny the story. Gotta believe him until proven otherwise. If true, though, that would be really bad. Close quote. <laughs> yep, it it would. I'm going to assume most people have heard about this story since it came out last night, but in case you haven't, TheRinger.com has a story called The Curious Case of Brian Colangelo and the Secret Twitter Account. A collection of Twitter accounts 
that has criticized Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, and other former Sixers, disclosed sensitive information and outlined team strategy, shares uh, eye-opening similarities. What does this have to do with Philadelphia 76ers decision-maker Brian Colangelo? Uh, You and I have both read this whole story. It's amazing. Basically, the head of the 76ers has five Twitter accounts, all of which he uses almost like a Sixers fanboy to criticize people that are anti-Brian Colangelo or criticize players that he thinks need to be criticized and to try and sway right. beat writers yes. writing stories about different aspects of the team. By, by and to defend the honor of his collared shirts. By well, That's the best part. But yes, he's so he tries to essentially uh, sway public opinion about himself and, and the franchise by using inside information that vi- that only a few elite would know. That's my favorite thing. But here's my first question because I love this story. This is a great story. How do you have the time? You're running the Sixers. Okay, so I would imagine that that you got a lot going on right there. You've got five Twitter accounts. And you've got the time to basically, because it, it looks like he maintained all five, you've got the actual wherewithal and time to run those accounts. How do you have the time for five Twitter accounts? It's amazing. Uh, sometimes I find myself just like with one Twitter account. I'm busy. Like, Man, I should probably fire off a couple of tweets during this game, but I'm just kind of tired or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we should come back and expand more on this. I threw the question out. To, uh, to the Twitter sphere here. We're getting some good responses. Which Minnesota sports executive or coach do you think is most likely to have an active burner account? And uh, I love the responses on this, but you were listening, was it to Barstool Sports Radio this yes. morning? Well, yes. T- tell, okay, tell that anecdote real quick. Oh, okay, so a guy called in. A, an unnamed source reached yep. out to the ringer and said, hey, I've ran some... I've ran some artificial intelligence uh, search queries through yes. these five Twitter accounts. Yep. They're all following the same people. They're all tweeting and subtweeting about Sixers things. Exactly. So a guy called in, keep that in mind, and said that, that he took a he recently took a class at Stanford that's run by Sam Hankey, who was the GM of the Sixers and, and who Colangelo has basically attacked via these these accounts. Yes. And he said that that Hankey's class was all about all of this. Twitter and how you run accounts and how you fi- figure out Who's doing what, and and that that there's a way basically uh, to put together the way that uh, that phrasing is used by people on Twitter to try and say, okay, if this guy is tweeting as so and so, a fake account is incredibly close so Sa- in the same way. So let me pause here. So Sam Hinkey, the former GM of the Sixers, who put together essentially the building blocks of what might be a championship team here, but got fired by who's so a the hero now? To come in, yeah. Okay, so he's now teaching a class at Stanford. About burner Twitter accounts, yes, and how you can connect the dots, and and that seems like an awfully specific major. And this and this guy said, "I will give you a thousand percent that the leak on the story came from him. That Hanky basically went to <laughs> the Ringer people, probably probably Bill, right, Simmons, and that Hanky went to somebody at this publication and said, you got to start to track this.' <laughs> Here's an excerpt." This is like a three thousand word story. It's it's well worth the read, and it just digs in. It, the first part of it is just a summation, and then they dive into all the tweets and all the accounts, and uh, and and the author went to the Sixers. So they had these five accounts. The author went to the Sixers and unveiled two of the accounts on purpose. Yep. 
knowing that there were five, said, hey, hey, we've got some pretty good intel that says these two accounts might belong to Brian Colangelo. Can you confirm or deny? They confirmed that both accounts belonged to Brian. And then the other three suspiciously became protected mm-hmm. at the same exact time, mm-hmm. thus confirming that all five belonged to Brian Colangelo. Absolutely. On May 22nd, six days after the results of the 2017 NBA lottery were announced, the account still balling. These are the, the account names are fantastic. Liked, in some cases, liked a tweet that advocated sending the number three pick <laughs> and the 2018 Lakers pick to Boston for the number one overall pick. Yep. But without including Dario Saric. If rival teams were aware of this account, and if it was Brian Colangelo, which it sounds like it was, Mm -hmm. the account had publicly broadcast the Sixers draft trade strategy a full month before it happened. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He was tipping their picks or tipping their strategies. Yes. Uh, Most disturbingly, the accounts have repeatedly disclosed potentially damaging information about Sixers players, including Jalil Okafor, not passing physicals. Uh, Nerlens Noel, Joel Embiid, and most recently Markel Fultz. The accounts routinely challenged journalists to report these negative claims and in some cases have pushed writers to ask specific questions or to contact the organization to set up interviews. In every example, the accounts have pursued an agenda of absolving Colangelo of blame while vilifying Sixers players and or and Sam Hinkie. I guarantee you this, this, mo- this morning... There are executives and coaches in every professional sport and in in Division One college sports who are extremely nervous because people are going to start to try and try and put and look into this now. And I guarantee you that as crazy as this sounds, Brian Colangelo far from the only guy to do this. You know, there's two or three accounts that are awfully suspicious. Uh, Northeast beer guy six nine six nine that constantly praise Judd and rip me. I've had to block a few of them. I'm going to have to confront you about this during the commercial break. You see? Everyone's questioning Everyone's questioning. Are you aware of a uh, Bunny's Guy IPA? This is turning brother against brother. Work a co-worker against co-worker. What's this Yingling Rules with a Z account that keeps criticizing me? I I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to close that account. I'm going to make it private right now. Just make it private. I'm just going to make it private. Okay, it's better now. Um, We have Minnesota sports prop bets at the top of the hour. Dan Hayes from The Athletic on Twins at 1130. Uh, The Crafty Rogues are going to come in here. I'm sure they have burner accounts. I have no doubt they have burner accounts. Oh, Costco for sure. Let's talk about Chris Lindahl for a second here. I started working with the Chris Lindahl team. Let's see here. Probably about two years ago. We had our first meeting about two years ago. uh, And it was more more me just uh, trying to decide the right timing for putting my condo at that time on the market. Once I pulled the trigger and and decided, all right, we're going to do this, going to work with the Chris Lindahl team. I had a number in my head for how much I thought I could, I could bring in on the sale of my condo. They said, actually, you're thinking way too low here. You can get tens of thousands more dollars on the sale of this thing. Just trust us through this process, the staging process. Uh, we're going to generate a competitive environment for, for your condo. And we're going to hold an open house on, I believe it was the first week in February of 2017. My condo was on the market for three hours. Boom. Full-priced offer for way more than I ever thought. It was the best process I ever could have asked for. ChrisLindall.com. That's Chris with a K. Or 763-401-SOLD. Mackie and Judd are back. Gentlemen, the moment has finally arrived. On 1500 ESPN. Thank you, David. We've got some reckless wolf speculation here at the bottom of the hour, too. A name that we've floated, but uh, I don't think it's a report. It's more just like 
We don't need a report. I don't even know if it's educated speculation, but it's, it's a, it we makes sense. That. It makes sense. It's reckless by its nature. That's just fine. Correct. Uh, I, we're getting some great responses on this. Uh, the, I think the, lead, the unofficial leader in the clubhouse here of Minnesota sports executive or coach most likely to have a burner Twitter account or yep. multiple accounts. Yep. Rick Spielman. People think Rick Spielman. Well, now, now, if you think about this, I believe that Spielman has basically said, uh, Collar told me this last night, I think Spielman has basically come clean and said, I've, I've one, right? got one. Yeah. Now, the question, though, is, is if you have one, it makes perfect sense. It's smart because then you can keep track of what people are saying. It's not you, and so well, it if, makes sense if you to, follow, to follow people. Yes, exactly. So, so it, it actually is sort of genius to try and float agendas, but to to get to get caught with five of them. Well, yeah, and have so so having the no the the burner no name account makes perfect sense, and following the beat guys and gals does as well. When you cross, where you cross the line is what you just said. When you start to be like, "Hey, have you looked in, into this?" Yeah. Now, that becomes my question: What Minnesota sports executive would, would be most likely to try and influence an agenda? Now, if it's done in a smart way too, that makes sense. I just it feels like in this day and age, eventually, if you try that and do too much, i.e., five burner accounts, you're going to get caught. Uh, my girlfriend with a with a great uh, tweet in response to this conversation, she says, "At Links Coach Reeve doesn't need a burner Twitter account because she keeps it real on her personal one." That's so accurate. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Reeve might be the most honest tweeter of. Well, there's not that many coach executive. I mean, Flip Saunders had one. I'm talking in this town. Mike Zimmer wouldn't be able to. Mike Zimmer and Bruce Boudreaux would be least likely to figure out how to no. set up a Twitter account no on way. their own, right? No way. Uh, I envision Thad Levine and Derek Falvey having a shared account, just like a shared I'm, burner account where they can both log in. And I want to say they actually came out and said that they do have one. They 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 have that, a shared that, account. That, that I think it might have been Thad admitted at one point that he has a account on which he keeps track of things. But 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 is it a shared but, account? I don't know. If, I don't know what's shared. Because I said that just to be sort of funny, but it wouldn't. I, I guess don't know what's shared, but I bet I bet between the, the two of them, they have one. And and but once again, now see, the one thing with those two is they're smart enough. I wouldn't put it past them to maybe hey throw something out every once in a while just to see what the yeah the masses just think. To get the temperature, yeah, just to float something out there. To get the temperature of things. People are making a that. joke that PJ Fleck has a burner account. It's at Phil Maggie. Wow. wow. That's a really good point. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Can't deny that too much. I think <laughs> hey, if, if Phil P- Mackey. <laughs> if PJ has a burner account, it's just meant for inspirational messages. He's just hitting up just like random random messages to go for fans, positive reinforcement, wake up in the morning. What if he's got a burner account that's completely negative? Just <laughs> rips the golfers, rips golfer holes, rips himself. He loves Patrick. Yes. He's just super Pat's big. right about everything. These gophers suck. Where to go, Royce? Three wins if they're lucky. It, Check into my QB situation. Okay. So then his burner account is just at Chris Reavers. <laughs> no, I don't think he does it. You know, he, well, he probably does it sober. I mean, there's that. Wow. Wow. A few, a few Cutting IPAs deep in, in this segment right now. Uh, I'm going through, the Ringer has a list of like 22 screenshots from these five Twitter accounts. So we have Still Balling is one of them. <laughs> no more unnamed sources. Yep. Yep. That. And Eric Jr. And there's a couple that are just meant for, just for like monitoring beat writers and things. Eric Jr. <laughs> Where do you even, that's, I love that one. I don't know what that means. Uh, but, there, but there's, um, let me find this one. 
where he's there's like a there's a binge of tweets where he's just ripping uh, the, the GM of the Raptors here too. But then they found one from this Eric Jr. account where he's at. Is it the is it the the G League team, the eighty seveners, or the minor yes. league, the, the G League team, the G League team? Yep. Where he's tweeting on. February 10th, 2017. I hope the sevens rise up with different uniforms and not the ones they're wearing tonight. It hurts my eyes to look at them. And that's the only documented night where Brian Colangelo was at an 87ers game and on the broadcast with the radio broadcast team or whatever, the TV broadcast team. Yeah, it's absolutely him. (laughs) The investigator reporting here is genius. It's so great. (laughs) So So what sports executive... And our coach from this town, do you think th- through the years would, would have been the most likely to do this exact same thing and do something really dumb and get caught? Because without a doubt, David Kahn. without a doubt, David Kahn. Kahn's good one. I say Tim Brewster, too. Tim Brewster would have been All a caps, guy. nine yes, exclamation points. He I'm, would have been Mr. Because he, he's got his account, but he would have been Mr. Burner account and would have done something incredibly stupid. I was my first thought was Tice. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could see Tyson trying to him? do that. Got four tickets. Anybody interested? <laughs> Set me up with a burner it's account. for scalping. Yes, <laughs> yes that's, that's an awesome one. Got four on the 50 for the Bears game. Love it. He only tweets about, about selling tickets yeah. and how awesome the Randy ratio is yes. and how it makes total sense. <laughs> you don't understand. It's a ratio. It's getting the best player of the football. 35% of the time. And if we're good, if we get it 35% of the time. Like, what is this account? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tice is a good one, too. Uh, and Khan, for sure. Yeah, Khan, yeah. for sure. And he would have tried to be so incredibly smart, well, Dave, he would have screwed it up. So a David Khan burner account would just be testing the waters on, like, Darko Milicic, long-term yep. extension, how, how, how great buying low on Michael Beasley is, right? Draft strategies. Oh, Michael B. Be- Actually, the Michael Beasley smokes too much weed thing. Instead of happening on the Ricey and Mackey show, would have he would have floated that notion out to a, like on Twitter, right? Yep, Krasinski or something. Hey, hey. Johnny, do some digging. Yeah. I've heard Michael Beasley smokes a lot of weed. That's absolutely That's why he's a space kid on the court. <laughs> oh, Con would have been yeah. Uh, the other one here, just going through the Eric Junior tweets from Colangelo. So somebody. He like he tweets at media guys and he tweets at super fans. It'll be like Sixers fan, mm-hmm. you know, for life. And he'll just be starting conversations with these people. So somebody floated this trade, Etwan Moore and uh and New Orleans top 14 protected pick and a and a first round or a second round pick, whatever. And then Philadelphia would trade Jalil Okafor. I think that was the trade that fell through maybe. And uh and Eric Jr, quote unquote, tweets <laughs> I feel it in my bones. Deal was done, and Jaleel did not pass a physical. Let's wait and see, but it's the only possibility at this point. And by the way, if that that's him, you're fired instantly, right? He'll be fired today, right? Yeah. They're going like to do an internal investigation. He'll be fired today. You cannot survive leaking, leaking privileged medical information about a guy and saying he didn't pass multiple physicals. Here's yes, another, he'll be fired today. He's tweeting about Brett Brown wanting wanting Nerland's Noel gone. Bad for the locker room. Once again, Colangelo protected the coach and got bleeped on for it. Mm-hmm. Brian Colangelo is a class act, <laughs> not a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. BC, but then somebody BC is great. People were ripping on him. Apparently, he used to wear these these weird like big collared shirts, and so people would rip on him for his weird collared shirts. Mm-hmm. And I can't find the tweet here now, but he tweeted back at somebody. Uh, 
That's a normal collar. Find a different angle. <laughs> oh, and that was fantastic. That's great. Find a different angle. So, so his accounts were the the accounts that they acknowledged were Phila one two three four five six seven. Yeah. Alvic four zero one one seven five six zero, and then Honesta, en- enough unknown sources, and S Bonhams underscore. Yeah. Well, he, here's the <laughs> here's a collar tweet. He's had a few defending the honor of his collared shirts. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody tweeted a picture, like a selfie with him. I told Brian Colangelo to buy out Jaleel, uh, and then someone responded, that's an imposter. The collar is much too normal. To which enough unknown sources, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. responds, funny you notice, I had not seen big collars since he got here, so I was wondering why something worn 10 years ago was a thing. <laughs> The collar thing was, uh, yes, legendary. Uh, we've got some reckless wolves speculation to uh, to float out there when we come back here. We threw this name out a week or two ago, but I think I'm even more interested in it now that uh, now that others are starting to connect the dots. We'll see if it makes sense. And then Minnesota sports prop bets at the top of the hour. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Let's go. Come on. We're waiting. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. This descent into decrepitude is going to be long and agonizing. Mackie and Judd. It's going to be absolutely horrific to watch. On 1500 ESPN. From three-point range, here's Bradley. Bradley stops. Avery Bradley got the step. All right, this is this is not a report. It's just it's let's let's call it what it is. It's reckless speculation. Exactly. Reckless speculation. From uh, Bleacher Reports, uh, the NBA section of Bleacher Report, they rolled out a players who make sense for each team this offseason in free agency, which free agency is going to start here in about a month or so. Because mm-hmm. the NBA finals are going to take, I don't know, whatever, a week or two weeks, yeah. and then we get a couple weeks off, and then Early and then you draft, and then free agency. They get right into it. But players who make sense for each team, and they had a full list of all 30 teams, and the player connected to the Timberwolves was Avery Bradley, combo guard. He was with Boston from whenever he came in the league seven years ago now. He's 2010. Tw- yep, 27, 28 years old. So I am, he's not a perfect player by any means. He could be a bit of a volume scorer. Um, he is not the greatest defensive player, although I would argue, as much as we love Jamal Crawford on this show, almost anything would be an upgrade over Jamal Crawford's defense from, from last season. But uh, I think we'll start with the the pros here. He'd be a perfect combo guard to replace Jamal Crawford. 25 30 minutes a game. He's been he's been a 30 32 33 minute per game guy as a starter for much of the last well for pr- pretty much the last 5 or 6 years he's been a starter. Good three-point shooter. He's 37 38% the last 5 or 6 years. So above average, he'd be one of the better three-point shooters on the team. Better defender like I said than Jamal Crawford. He's 28. There's going to be 28, so you get a little younger. You don't. You're not adding a. You know, Jamal was a decade older than that. Uh, and if you're smart, I think he would replace some of Wiggins' minutes. I don't think Wiggins needs to be playing the most minutes of anyone in the NBA, basically per game. The problems are 
Avery Bradley would expect to start, you would think, because he's been a starter for a number of years. The Wolves already have Teague, Butler, and Wiggins at the 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. And if those guys are on the roster making the money that they're making, those are your three highest paid players. Mm-hmm. It's I just don't see any path to, as much as you and I would do it, Wiggins coming off the bench. I think those are your three starters at the 1, 2, and 3. And so there would be no spot for Avery Bradley in that starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, the other problem would be you have about $8 million to offer via the mid-level exception on a on a per-year basis. Would another team offer more money if they saw him as a 30-minute-per-game guy and a guy can shoot threes? Probably. Uh, There's 11 teams with more than $10 million in salary cap space. Seven of the 11 are terrible. We're talking Hawks and Bulls and Suns, Mavericks, Nets, Kings. The teams that have cap space and or or at least the teams that could free up cap space and and maybe would be appealing in terms of making their roster good. The Lakers are going to make their roster a lot better. The 76ers and the Jazz have cast space. So I don't think the $8 million is a non-starter, but the biggest problem here would be if he wants to start and you've got that log jam, I don't know how that works. I don't know how you – and Tom Thibodeau, is he creative enough to find 25, 30 minutes a game for a guy coming off no, the bench? absolutely Based not. on what you know about him? No, he's not. So it, it feels like, like this makes sense if you had – some flexibility here, but I don't know if Is it's... there a potential Wiggins trade that could grease the skids for this to happen? Okay. Be- you're, you're, this is going to sound crazy. Because... but I, This I, is going to sound crazy. But, but, I am, but I am firmly going down the path of I do expect that Andrew's going to be shopped. I'm, I'm just... I'm going to spitball this. Okay, I'm just going to throw this well, out there. Hit the sounder then again if you're going to do this. Reckless speculation! Okay. Thank you. I'm going to get crushed for saying this. Can't wait. As bad as he was in the playoffs, he makes a little less money, even though he makes way too much money. He makes a little less money and only has two years left on his contract instead of five. Ryan Anderson? Would there be a three-way deal out there that sends LeBron James to Houston, Ryan Anderson to the Wolves, and Wiggins to the Cavs, and then some other things to make it work? Ryan Anderson comes off I the am, bench. All right. He's his contract is over in two years. Yeah. He shoots threes. Yeah. You need a three point shooter off the bench or and, even in the starting lineup. And by the way, in, in Wiggins is a bad basketball player right now. In Anderson's defense, too, if you recall, he had been injured and came back in the Wolves series and basically they tried to work him back in and, and it didn't work. So I don't think he's some type of broke player. I think he was hurt. And you'd have to get more than just him if you yes, traded Wiggins. I'm yes, not saying that. But 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 I will say this. The thought occurred to me that he's the exact type of player the Wolves need. This is it occurred to me during is, the playoffs. This is insanity right it, now. But here's why. Here's why. Matt Thomas loves him. Matt Thomas sees him play consistently. When he's shooting well, Anderson's a very good player. He's exactly he is exactly if you were to sort of draw up. He's a very good a off, real, offensive player. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you were to drop a realistic, okay, the Wolves could definitely use this type of player, and and it's not pie in the sky to get that player. This guy's it. So a, I will admit that this thought now now not the trade, but this type of player crossed my mind as being the type of player the Wolves don't have. I think the the hard part here is so Andrew Wiggins right now is not one of the top one hundred players in the NBA. He's not. He's, and people are going to say, well, he scores 18 or 20 points per night. Okay, but he also, look how many shots he takes to get there. 
efficiency is a huge problem. Defense is a huge problem. Uh, I think just understanding where to be on the court and an intensity for 40 minutes and all those things that, that drive the best players in the NBA, those are huge questions for him. Mm-hmm. And now he's entering a five-year max contract where he's going to make between 25 and $30 million a year. So if, if from the outset, if you think he's just never going to get it and now he's going to be this crippling contract that kicks in in a salary cap league, trading him at his, at let's say this is his peak value because he still has some some teams think they can salvage him, right? Sure. If you wait a year and he's still the same guy, it's just gonna be it's gonna be harder and harder to trade him until you get toward the end of it. Then it becomes an expiring contract. But now you've put three or four years into a bad contract. So that's that's the that's the position I'm thinking from here. Where if you could just if if you think there's value in just extracting him from the team and the salary cap, yep. And you take on a contract that ends in two years, but a guy who shoots threes, and I get the guy was benched in the most important games of the year, so I'm not saying that he'd be this cornerstone piece. I'm just looking for ways to maybe get out from under the Andrew Wiggins contract and uh, and maybe bring some players in who aren't as ball-centric. You already have ball-centric Butler, ball-centric Teague, ball-centric Towns. So it's, I'm just I'm just spitballing. Just I, spitballing. I think that you can... The, the Wolves will sign guys, but here's my... Here's, here's the problem in my my mind, uh, for the coming months as well. If you think about this, free agent-wise, given what the Wolves have cap in cap room and right now with the perception towards this franchise, you're not going to do very well because if you have a guy who's on the fence, if you have a guy who's saying, I, you know, that's not bad, I might go there, I'm not, not going to get paid a ton, but I'll sign a short-term deal and go play there. I guess my question is this, why would you come here? If you know about Tibbs, which teams do, you're looking around the league thinking, do I want to play for a guy that screams continually all the time, every game? You're also, it's also been said that Jimmy Butler doesn't feel the need to recruit. So if Jimmy Butler is going to be like, well, yeah, I, I love Tibbs. You can play here. He'll recruit, but that's, but that, I, that's his agent saying that. Okay. I but, mean, Jimmy, but was, Jimmy saying, was actively recruiting a year ago. I sure, think that's but, I'm just, but, but my point is with, with his contract now and, and his, his status and potentially Tibbs status being uncertain to a degree and with Cat now possibly being ambivalent and not pleased, if you are a free agent on the fence, there's not a ton of incentive to come here because Ideally, you would see this as a place to land and you would say, look at the young pieces and they've got Butler. And if you like Tibbs, that's fantastic. But if, but if you are, if you are a team that's trying to get a player that the Wolves are also trying to get, it's pretty easy to, to go to that player and say, that's a pretty dysfunctional situation right now. That's not a great, uh, oh, of course. That's not, that's not a great team to go play well, for. Well, Billy tweets in, why on earth would any bench player sign with the Wolves? No playing time with Tibbs uh, and adequate to pour money. Exactly. That's the, now it's not three years ago where the salary cap jumps up for everybody and even the teams that are cap strapped. Oh, all of a sudden we have 15 or $20 million and it's just bonkers right, yep. money. Uh, team, it, it, there are teams with cap space, but it's not. It's not like a, an Avery three years ago. An Avery Bradley would have made fifteen or twenty million dollars, maybe even a year or two ago. He's he's not going to. I don't unless unless a team goes absolutely crazy and just says, "All right, uh, we weren't able to land this player, this player, this player, so we're going to give you fifteen or twenty million dollars." It wouldn't shock me, but it's less likely now than three years ago mm-hmm. that a guy like Bradley's going to make fifteen, twenty million dollars a year. But to this tweet and to your point, one of Jamal Crawford's biggest gripes was, hey, I want to play 20 minutes. Now, I don't think it was sound strategy to give him 20, 25 minutes. 
Um, so from that standpoint, okay, Tibbs probably made the right decision not playing him a lot, but there are no bench players who are going to play 25 or 30 minutes. You're not going to have Bradley come off the bench as a six-man-of-the-year candidate in Tom Thibodeau's current system and philosophy and, you know that. and play 30 minutes, unless he drastically changes the way not, that he goes about business. And that's not going to ha- happen. What's going? And if, if, you are, so if you are recruiting a team against the Wolves, it's pretty simple to say it's dysfunctional there. And so we'll sign you to the same exact contract, mm-hmm. and you'll come here and play. This should, but what's sad about that statement is this should be an incredibly exciting, functional team. Yeah, let me, let, I have another question on this real quick. We'll, we'll do it when we get back. Okay, a Ryan Anderson related question, just and and it's sort of an Andrew Wiggins question. Uh, Minnesota sports prop bets at the top of the hour, and uh, Dan Hayes will join us in a little less than two hours to talk some twins. Luther Brookdale Toyota is uh, the best car dealership and service department for uh, for my money, anyways, in the Twin Cities. My family and I have been going to the same place for three plus decades and what i love most when you walk in it's 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 this facility that's only about five or six years old they just uh they just built a relatively new facility on the corner of 694 and brooklyn boulevard so it's like a new stadium or a new practice facility so to speak and you already had the gm you already had the players you already had the coach you had everything in place you just needed that new playground for everyone to really thrive in and and you notice when you walk in you notice the energy of the people you notice uh, just the spaciousness, the 30 workstations, and the Luther Lounge, which gives you access to uh, six different cable TV workstations, uh, a separate lounge area with two 70-inch flat-screen TVs, a play area for the kids. It's comfort. It's uh, peace of mind as well, just going to a place where people treat you like family, and they help you solve problems and or get you in. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. I'm ready! Live from TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Ever dream of playing at U.S. Bank Stadium? Well, you've got your chance now. You can sign up your team to participate in United Health Group's Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament. It's happening Saturday, September 8th. Flag football teams will take over U.S. Bank Stadium for this one-day six-on-six tournament. It's all to raise money for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Team spots are limited and selling out fast. So get yourself and your team signed up now. Details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. From three-point range, here's Bradley. Bradley stops. Avery Bradley got the step. Smart on the hop. Nice pass to Crowder. He thought he was fouled. If I get the call, but Bradley is right there for the follow. This is Bradley. Effortless. From three-point range, once again. Uh, just we're looking at a Bleacher Report story. A free agent that makes sense for every team in the NBA, and they've got Avery Bradley linked to the Timberwolves, and they just—I don't know—they just—they need more three-point shooting. They need to get younger in certain spots, which is funny because they needed to get older like a year or two ago. Yep. And uh, they just need—they need more energy. They need and to use their bench more, probably. Yeah, it makes some sense. Uh, Bill tweets in: Wiggins is not a defensive liability. Well, yeah, he is. Yes, he is. It's not a. Yeah. What? Huh? Uh, so. But I'll keep going on this tweet. He's capable of he's capable of guarding three positions. He is capable. He's capable of a lot of things. That's the frustration with four years. So of is Wiggins. Buxton. And you want to unload him for players that cannot guard one position. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to unload him. I'm not saying that Wiggins for blank player would be a direct upgrade or would be mm-hmm. taking a step forward. I'm saying if you don't think he's going to get any better and you're about to enter into a five year max contract, you should explore trading him right now. 
in the next two months. Yes, he for whatever you could get back. He has a chance to at least partially cripple you financially. Yes, uh, and Bill says it's likely a losing bet, but gambling on Wiggy's talent is the only way to get past round two of the playoffs at this point. But if you if you know that gambling on his talent is a losing bet, then you should trade him when you still have chips in front of you. So, uh, real quick, before I give my hypothetical to you, the Timberwolves have just posted a genius gif on their Twitter account mm-hmm. of them deleting a burner account. Go Wolves! One nine eight one two three four something. It's just like their first it's at Timberwolves, yes. and then it's like their burner account, and it's them deleting their burner account from. That is <laughs> from great. Twitter. Well, who who p- piled on immediately? Mark Cuban did. Yes. Who, by the way, is is in tr- uh, trouble himself to a certain degree. I think. Uh, to a certain degree, yeah. He well, he got, oversaw an organization. Yeah, but of no, but I saw sexual harassment I saw and assault. A, a report yesterday. I think the Dallas Morning News now has come out and said that he also uh, basically told a guy to stop doing something at work, and I don't know if it was harassing or what. And uh, oh, and uh, the Game of the Rockets, right? Didn't he come out also and pile on? Yes. He and Cuban were going back and forth. That's what it was. And Cuban, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Cuban said actually it's part of the new uh, not collective bargaining agreement, the, uh, the the Twitter posting agreement between the league and the players and Twitter, where executives now get seven burner accounts, <laughs> and and they're marked by a flame instead of a check mark <laughs> next to your name on Twitter. You know it's bad when when guys around the, the league immediately start to pile on, which is <laughs> yeah. what makes this such a great story. All right, I'm gonna just to contextualize how we feel about Andrew Wiggins right now. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you two of these two players we've been talking about. And I'm not saying I'm not saying I would for sure trade this player straight up for this player. I'm just saying in terms of the way we perceive Wiggins, Ryan Anderson is 30 years old. He's coming off a season in which he got benched in the postseason because he just wasn't effective and couldn't defend and, and went into a shooting slump. But for his career, he shoots just under 40 percent from three point range. Uh, as recently as three years ago with the Pelicans, he averaged 17 points a game on 37% from downtown. So like, there's there's some offensive prowess there that the Wolves lack, obviously. Shooting three-pointers. And, <laughs> yeah, the ability to shoot threes consistently. Yeah, he'll, he'll grab you a rebound once in a while, but defense optional and not a guy that's going to be a pillar for your franchise, but paid like one because he makes $20 million, $21 million. If you had to choose one of the two, and their contract is attached to them. Ryan Anderson, what did I say, 30 years old? Two years left, right? Two years and, let's see, $42 million left. Okay. Or five years and what's the math? hundred Is it $150 million? It's near, yeah. I think it's 148 So five years, $150 million yeah. for 22, three-year-old Andrew Wiggins. Get, uh, given what this team needs and given what I've seen uh, as far as the regression from uh, the latter goes, I am picking Ryan Anderson. And it's crazy to but think the re- that. But, but the I, regression, but here, but I don't want that Wiggins contract. Yeah. I just don't. And I have. If, I, if it was like, would you rather have Ryan Anderson or Andrew Wiggins for the next five years to see what happens? Well, Wiggins. Right. But the salary cap matters. Here's the problem, too. How much do you think that Andrew is a product of the fact that he is is definitely, without a doubt, regressing with Tibbs as well? Because I could see him potentially going somewhere and getting a better coach who's more patient and who essentially doesn't who doesn't scream for an entire game and being more successful. Of and then course. and then I could see us all Absolutely. saying you never should have traded him. But the fact is that with the current environment, do I see 
Andrew Wiggins coming back in the 2018-19 season and taking a step forward? No, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see with what's going on here. If you are, and, and the other problem then is this. This team, everything about this, and I think it's an impossible task, but everything about this is about winning right now. Like there's nothing on the Wolves that's about a gradual build. Towns is to a to a certain point, but look at the rest of the parts, look at the coach, look at the patience, look at Jimmy Butler. Those this is not about the build to all right, as soon as Golden State and Houston start to slide a little bit, we're gonna go up. Yeah. This is about actually competing immediately. And if that's going to be your mission, Wiggins, I think, is gonna come back next year and either continue to slide backwards and or stay stay the same player that he was this past year, which is not a max player. And that's the conflict, because if you could rearrange pieces here and you said, all right, uh, you're going to gamble on Andrew Wiggins' improvement the next three to five years, and you knew that you had a coach that had a really good chance at massaging that talent. And I don't trade And him. I wouldn't either. And I wouldn't trade but the, him. So if, so if the driving force behind us wanting Andrew Wiggins to be shopped on the market is the fact that Tom Thibodeau just can't really make it work with him, that they just don't connect well, and he still takes these horrible, inefficient shots, and he's just not progressing mostly because the coach can't connect with him. But we think there's 10 other coaches who for sure would connect with him. Quinn Snyder, Brad Stevens, Greg Popovich. Then, like, I have a hard time with that logic, too. And then, then, it's, then it's on the coach. But you can't fire the coach well, if the owner... It, actually, it's on that guy. It's on the guy who owns well, everything. This goes team. back to the owner. It but. all goes back to Glenn because Glenn's the one who could ultimately say, "You are not developing these players. We we have to make a move here." Yeah, I think I think Wiggins would look. I think he'd be. I think he'd be a more tenacious defender under Brad Stevens. I think he would, especially if he played for a team that understood like the value of. Okay, this guy can't make a shot beyond sixteen feet. So let's let's the value of running plays to put him in the spots that, that he would have. That he could he would have a role that he that he could thrive in. Yes, and he doesn't here. And the problem when it comes to Tibbs is this: he's not changing. So like we could talk all we want about man if Tibbs could get this guy and if he just changes a bit and his philosophy changes, the bench could talk about well if Tibbs alters his approach to the bench next year that's going to be well he's not going to. There's nothing Tom has done since he got here, since the day he got here. There's nothing I don't think he's done throughout the course of his coaching career, which screams, this man is capable of adapting and changing. The guy that is coaching this team right now is the guy that that you have. And you're putting all your eggs in this basket. You need to win immediately. It's probably not going to happen. In fact, it's not going to happen. But there is nothing that screams development about the situation. Nothing. And the Warriors probably aren't going away. The Rockets are going to load up. The Rockets might even make a big move and add. I mean, the Rockets, if they want, I mean, they. I, I still think there's a way for them to get LeBron James. So if that, if imagine if that happens, and you're just sitting there with Towns and Butler yep. and Tom Thibodeau, I mean, you're just okay, and you're just grinding into the second round. You're but grinding every night. Good luck, uh, Minnesota sports prop bets. We're going to get to Dan Hayes on uh, Twins items. Twins need to start picking it up here. This is a really important two-week stretch. We'll talk to Dan about that at 11.30 or so. Uh, You've got some reckless Viking speculation we can get into later on if we choose. And the uh, Crafty Rogues are going to hang out with us in a couple hours, too. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. You understand? On 1500 ESPN. 